Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Pegram Harrison. I'm a fellow in entrepreneurship. That means that I teach entrepreneurship mainly to executive education students, uh, and they are mainly the people that uh, Tracy has been describing, whom we interact with in, in uh, teaching and in programs about learning uh, aspects of, of leadership or management or other particularities around business education. I also work with undergraduates and, and MBAs and other, other uh, constituencies, and I do a certain amount of research. And so since that's another function of academics in the business school for this uh, panel, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, the, the kind of overlap of teaching and research. Um, through a notion uh, called cultural economics, which is a concept uh, in uh, economics that I think is problematic and requiring of much more research. Um, I'll, I'll take you through a sort of a critique of it, looking at it from different angles uh, that um, derive from a project I've been working on for a good while. Most of the work was done about 10 years ago and I haven't really had chance to return to it, but would very much like to. Um, before I was working on it in an institution that was not remotely interested or receptive to that kind of work and I was basically told to stop. Uh, and I'm of the view that now is the time to revive it. Um, so I'll show you a little bit about what I did then and, uh, and uh, a sense of where it can go next. Cultural economics is basically a way of thinking about the economics of culture. Um, it's heavily reliant on a methodology of thinking about value. And I want with that to bring up Donna a bit on the idea that business schools are about money. They aren't all about money and ours in particular emphasizes value in many ways of its organization, its teaching and its, uh, and its research outputs and my colleagues uh, that have already spoken I hope imply that and certainly uh, Linda Scott who will come next will, will demonstrate that as well. But value is very hard to quantify unless you can use money uh, as a proxy for it. Uh, and much of what does happen in business schools traditionally does that. It uses money as a proxy for value. Uh, and there is a, a heavy emphasis in the uh, economic interpretation of culture on using um, approximations or rent, uh, sort of contingencies about what might or might constitute value in uh, accounting for um, uh, the value of culture. Um, so, you know, in short, it looks for evidence that uh, perceived value uh, can be quantified in some way. Uh, and that's, that's essentially problematic. Um, it's problem problematic for a lot of reasons, but to put it simply, it relies uh, too heavily on areas of interpretation that, uh, that, can, that can be disputed. And when you come to something like uh, the value of art or of culture, or even on the value of <coughs> preserving uh, art or culture, uh, th that's a compounding interpretation with interpretation and allowing approximation uh, to enter into a, a system of value uh, that's not really designed to handle uh, so much uh, uh, flexibility. Um, there is a certain amount of research on trying to tighten this up. It goes all the way back uh, 50 years to some of the original efforts uh, of quantifying the value of culture um, that were mainly uh, applied to the performing arts, but all the way along up until very recently, uh, there are examples from different angles of how we think about uh, the economics of culture. There's even a journal um, uh, that publishes, I think, quarterly um, various articles uh, in this field. So it's not an abstruse uh, area, 
Um, but it's one that is still being explored, and, uh, and I think we have a great deal to contribute to it from our unique position at Oxford. Um, some of the kinds of work that are done elsewhere are looking at the value of a museum, or uh, the value of making the museum free, or what happens to a society when you uh, inject certain types of culture, or cultural heritage, or even cultural restoration uh, into them. Um, the uh, uh, value of events is often easier to quantify because that uh, involves a, a measurable uh, price of entry uh, in ways that museums tend no longer to. Um, there are uh, plenty of efforts going on in the ang uh, different angles of this, of this field, but all of them uh, are generally limited um, by their reliance on this notion of contingent valuation methodology that um, uh, no one particularly likes, but everyone's sort of stuck with using. The general critique of the, of the uh, methodology is, as I said, that it assumes value where uh, it's impossible to measure um, and uh, acknowledges that though there may be aspects of value which are not captured in that assumption, uh, uh, nonetheless pushes forward with uh, a, a quantification. Um, and uh, again, even acknowledging <coughs> the incompleteness of that, uh, uh, it, there's a limit to how other uh, measures can be added to it for a more round, a rounder picture. Now, there's been a great deal recently of critique about this uh, from aspects of the heritage industry because it's necessary in an industry to quantify things and measure things, particularly performance or um, on the basis of claiming uh, subsidy. Um, so uh, various people and uh, 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 allies of the heritage industry have helped to try to sharpen up these, these methodologies uh, by critiquing them uh, on the basis of their methodology, of their scope, uh, in other words, what they try to encompass, and of the underlying assumptions. Um, the methodological uh, critique is basically what I've, I've already given, that a model is only as good as its inputs, and when the inputs are not good, then the outputs aren't either. Um, and there are also certain complaints around how um, what are called unique merit goods, or things that are uh, unique, uh, tend to be valuable only in terms of their irreplaceability. And uh, you can't you know, test that by destroying something to see what it was valuable when it existed. Um, and it's also true that uh, very large players in the cultur cultural heritage industry have evolved away from the use of contingent valuation methodologies in everything that they do. The National Trust is an excellent example of this. They use very different performance metrics for themselves. And uh, um, some of these consist of uh, the things I've listed there, visitor enjoyment, um, how much visitors promote a site to other people, um, how well a conservation effort uh, is judged to uh, have occurred once it's done, um, the amount of energy that's reduced through various types of uh, conservation. Uh, their chief measure of performance is membership, not use, but membership. Uh, and uh, that's significant for a lot of reasons because it implies uh, a way of quantifying involvement or value that, 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 that doesn't uh, require um, a, a proxy valuation of, the, of an object itself. Um, now the critique of scope, again, looks at faulty inputs. Um, much of the uh, uh, critique derives from the fact that cultural heritage relies heavily on uh, sources of support that are not necessarily connected to uh, the intrinsic value of the of the uh, the site, as it were, or the 
uh, the, the, the object of culture. Um, government subsidies also, however, come with strings attached, and those strings tend to determine the way the, uh, the, the, uh, the site or the object is used. Um, those strings might consist, for example, of how the government wants uh, budgeting for its subsidy to be, to be done, and there are different ways of organizing budgeting that completely alter the way you can quantify the ultimate output of the use of that, uh, of that uh, resource. Um, and since that isn't very well considered inside most valuation methods, it, it, it gives uh, very skewed uh, results. Um, briefly put, uh, that means that uh, a lot of um, the valuation that's done of cultural heritage isn't easy to uh, reproduce unless you uh, uh, make the same assumptions, and that means that it's, uh, again, open to enormous interpretation. Um, so the underlying critique of cultural economics seems basically to derive from uh, a culture of, uh, I mean, a critique of its assumptions. Uh, if you ask a question like, do economics and its techniques or methodologies have any role to play in the understanding of cultural institutions, you can already see there's a certain um, slippage uh, away from valuing culture to understanding its value. Um, and the notion that cultural economics as an interpretive paradigm is limited um, uh, implies that there, that there might well be other ways of assessing uh, value as opposed to quantifying it. Um, very briefly, and I'll just, I will really just skate over this, um, uh, in, in answer to these critiques, uh, lines of inquiry that look interesting are uh, changing the dialogue from one of metrics to one of values. So um, thinking less about money and more about some other form of value. Um, looking at how other uh, players uh, do uh, assess and understand value. For example, how, uh, like the uh, National Trust has found other ways of doing it. Um, and then thinking about, indeed, a heritage of the criticism or the critique of culture uh, that, that operates in different ways that might be applicable. Um, uh, someone recently told me a story which I thought was just fascinating. In the Second World War, uh, there was a, a band of people who, who uh, in every air raid, ran up to the top of St. Paul's Cathedral and waited. And they waited for the bombs to fall on St. Paul's Cathedral so that they could throw them off. And the idea was that St. Paul's Cathedral was, of course, far more important to preserve uh, than, say, any random other building that might be nearby. Um, and by implication, possibly even more important to preserve than the lives of the people who volunteered for this activity. Now, how do you quantify the value of a heritage site like St. Paul's Cathedral? when you look at the sort of activity it can generate around it if the activity takes that form. Uh, I would certainly propose that uh, contingent valuation methodologies and other techniques in cultural economics come nowhere near being able to quantify the value of a site when you start to think about it like that. Now, I don't know what to replace it with other than to say that it's going to be something that looks more at um, values in uh, a, 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 a some kind of creative way and less at, at metrics in uh, familiar ways that we simply have momentum with. Um, I've already mentioned the National Trust and the way it looks at things differently, so I won't, I won't mention that again, other than to say that by looking at its value in these ways, it sees far higher performance data uh, than if it looked at uh, the sort of asset value of its, of its, of its heritage. Um, 
English heritage uh, does similar things. They make a point of not valuing their uh, contribution to the economy in a contingent way, but in very specific ways. They're very good at quantifying how much money is pumped back into the economy because of their sites existing uh, in them, either locally or regionally or even nationally. Some examples are, for example, Hadrian's Wall brings 200 million pounds into local businesses that wouldn't be there if Hadrian's Wall weren't. Um, we've heard similar statistics about the effect of the Ashmolean Museum on Oxford, for example. Um, just by way of conclusion, I'll mention that I think there may be something to this. Uh, the idea that some, some, a place like Oxford, and there's no place like Oxford, but Oxford has itself a heritage of critiquing the role of economics in culture, and that's something that we could draw on. I think methodologically it's going to be challenging, and it may not be something as easily situated in the business school alone, but perhaps in a more multidisciplinary research project uh, that the business school would be very, very privileged to be part of. Um, thinking about the cultural critique of uh, figures like Carlyle and Ruskin and Arnold, only two of whom have any association with Oxford, although I seem to remember that there was a fictional Carlyle College in some episode of Inspector Morse. So maybe he has a connection after all. But Ruskin and Arnold particularly wrote extensively and, and rather manically about uh, their frustrations over the over-quantification of value, especially as it applied to culture. And in documents such as Unto This Last and Culture and Anarchy, you see a lot of rhetoric around exactly this problem. Uh, I don't I don't want to read through all this, and I'm sure many of you already understand the basic uh, uh, position that these Victorian um, uh, critical thinkers had, which was basically best reflected in, say, Dickens' idea of uh, uh, a human life versus a, a utilitarian life represented in um, many of his novels, uh, and that are, that are in fact uh, drawing on much of the same um, language as used by Carlyle and Ruskin and Arnold. Um, Famous quotation, for example, of Carlyle, wonder indeed is on all hands dying out, is in reaction to the industrialization of Britain and the loss of a certain concept of what Britishness uh, is or should be in his mind. Uh, for Ruskin, um, the notion that value is based on uh, return of capital as opposed to its employment is deeply abhorrent, and he writes about this extensively. And bizarrely, uh, there's a marvelous passage in uh, unto this last where he talks about students being um, uh, pellets without a skeleton. Uh, I don't have time to go through all this, but I encourage anyone who hasn't read this text to read it. It might be shown that it would be advantageous to roll students up into pellets and flatten them into cakes or stretch them into cables, that when these results were affected, the reinsertion of the skeleton would be attended with various inconveniences to their constitution. The, uh, the language is, is so ecstatic and, uh, and uh, frustrated, uh, but he's basically trying to say that the, the, uh, the overstructuring over of uh, a notion of value is destructive to a notion of value. And I think that that's something that um, uh, is a lesson that, uh, that, that, that we all do well to preserve. Um, Arnold, perhaps I'll leave us with uh, his one of his more famous concepts, which is that culture uh, is of use and not just uh, uh, of static value. And uh, while there's much to disagree with in the way he presents this notion, uh, there's much to gain from thinking about it and thinking about it in an interdisciplinary way. And where the business school might contribute to such research in such a direction, uh, we would be very pleased indeed. Now, I'd like to uh, introduce my 
uh, next colleague, Linda Scott, who will examine uh, how we're doing research uh, on culture and heritage uh, in, a, in an entirely different way. So thank you. And